Hello and welcome to the Horror Screams Video Vault podcast. Yes, we're part of the Horror Screams Video Vault website and this is episode 26 of our podcast. Welcome and it's a seasonal one um, which we're kind of honouring in a way with the theme of tonight's episode and we're joined as ever by Sarah. Hello Sarah, how's it going? Hello, it's all going good, thanks. I'm struggling to get into the festive spirit but it is nearly Christmas so I have to start thinking about it yeah yeah if you got your presents sorted out got the tree oh you have got the tree up right i'm sure i've heard that you've got the tree yeah yeah and that was something i wasn't really i was like oh do we have to put the tree up this year and i really wasn't feeling motivated but the other half was (laughs) like well we can't have christmas without the christmas tree and he's done it himself and that actually has made me feel a little bit more ready for it and i've got all my presents and everything i just need to get into the christmas spirit Oh, that's easy. You just need to watch a lot of fluffy old Christmassy films. Yeah, it's a wonderful out. life. Oh um, yeah. Although that's quite depressing. That um, there's a few though. Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, I love that. I and know someone. Good... Oh, sorry. You you know someone? I do know someone. Yes, oh unbelievable. This is a revelation. I know someone. Oh, well, I, I don't know her anymore, but she used to work with me, and. Um, she was so disturbed and frightened. It's a phobia for her of the Muppets that even hearing the Muppet Show theme tune made her really on edge, which the boss used to do over the, you know, over the speakers and stuff now and again, just to piss her off. Um, and so for her, Muppet Christmas Carol was like the ultimate disturbing film because she had such a Muppet phobia. She, she found them really, they made her feel sick. She, I think she oh. actually vomited once because she saw Muppets or whatever. Oh, my God. Was it actually just the Muppets or any kind of puppet? So, like, anything in, like, Labyrinth or Sesame Street also set her off? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I think it, from memory it was all puppets because, you know, without thinking, because in my head I'd always go, oh, she, you know, she hates the Muppets. But I think if I ever mentioned anything like Labyrinth or Dark Crystal or something, she'd be like, "Oh, oh, don't even talk about it." You know, it was genuine. It was I'm going to vomit. Phobia. Yeah. Wow, that is that is extreme. How can you be scared of the Muppets, man? I Gonzo. I don't. I think I out? asked her like if there was any kind of trigger for it. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously, without wishing to, to open up a terrifying door of childhood trauma. <laughs> But I don't think there was. I think maybe I've forgotten. But uh, yeah, I think it's just something that that she <laughs> that she wow. developed. Which, yeah, there must, you know. it must have been some kind of childhood trauma that she's blocked out. I remember I had a friend who was frightened of clowns. And oh. he told me the reason why was because when he was a kid, he went to a kid's party at McDonald's and Ronald McDonald fell on him. Oh, oh, yeesh. So, you know, something like that could have happened to the Muppet lady. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a, a Muppety thing that happened at like her fourth birthday party or something. Yeah, that does make a yeah. lot of sense. And yeah. then, I mean, anything can be creepy, right? So, sure, I'm sure I'm I'm afraid of things that are ridiculous to other people. But yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Um, but the idea is interesting, like the idea that someone would watch Muppet Christmas Carol and for them it would be the most disturbing thing <laughs> that they could probably think of is is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, She'd be yeah. happier with watching like some of the other crazier like movies like Silent Night, Deadly Night, which I think is what what we did last year, wasn't it? Yeah, we, yeah, we she, did. Yeah, she'd geez, probably be, a year ago. Bet she'd yeah. probably be happier with them. There exactly. is quite a lot of cool um, zombie Christmas movies out, mm. so I should get stuck in and start watching some of them. I've got a few of them. Oh, obviously Anna yeah. and the Apocalypse. 
Anne and the Apocalypse is great. Yeah, the, yeah, like the horror genre is pretty good, isn't it, for, for Christmas films? And new ones come out every year. I like I, I noticed Shudder is pushing a couple. One is called The Advent Calendar, I think, on Shudder. I started um, watching that. Hmm. I have started watching it, but then I think I got sidetracked and had to stop, and I think I only got about half an hour into it. But, yeah, it looks kind of cool and creepy. I think it's French. Hmm. I was quite interested in that. And it's it's another thing, you know, because you think, oh, because I, I, I've stayed away from Shudder for a while only because I just don't have time to you mm. know, to fit it in. Not that I'm being stingy and saying, oh, four ninety nine a month or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't mind going back to Shudder and catching up on on a few things and including that, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. French yeah. horror can I, be really good. Yeah, I will carry on with that. But as hmm. we're talking about Shudder. Guess yeah. what, Stephen? What's For my that? recently seen, no. I have managed to acquire myself Shudder back momentarily. <laughs> nice. Good old Shudder. We have given yes. Shudder a lot of publicity over the years. <laughs> and it's going to get more because I finally watched Creep Show season three. Hooray! All of it? Is it over? Is it already happened? It? Yep, yep. Wow. Unfortunately, they're all, uh, they're all like short, short, well, they're only about six or seven episodes, I think. Yeah. And they're only about half an hour to 45 minutes long but yeah no, i mean the the series came out in september mm. so you know you can click on and binge watch it straight away and it was really good um it didn't have as many amazing standout episodes as season two did because i mean they can't beat the first episode of season two which was the, was the evil dead-esque episode yes. with ted Raimi and stuff that i yep. absolutely went crazy over it was fabulous um they haven't been able to top that but you know i wasn't expecting them to they kind of peaked there but there was some really good some really good episodes again they do a really good mixture of different types of monsters and hmm. creepy things um there was some kind of like a, a singer that's a weird insect thing she turns into this crazy insect which is mm. cool um i think one of my favorite ones was the episode where they had um a couple that owned a prop museum and they had you know they basically had all these really cool props from all the old horror movies like from phantasm mm. evil dead all that kind of stuff they had like or skeletons and corpses from return of the living dead and stuff like that and this cool story played out with that that was pretty cool nice. um but yeah, it was it was good. I have that was over and done with very quickly. But mm. you know, it's always good to see. Creep Show is one of my favourite things. I would definitely have it up there and one of my all time favourite TV series, along with Ash versus Evil Dead and Walking Dead. Nice. Yeah, it's really fun, isn't it? And the movie, the original movie especially, is great. Um, yeah, that, I even like favourite. I mean, oh, the second a... one's good. Yeah, the second one with the yeah. raft and the the yeah. uh, the wooden Indian guy and yeah. yeah, the hitchhiker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are quite fun and ones that totally. we watched loads on VHS back in the day. Um, is there many like uh, obviously previous seasons have had Ted Raimi's and people like that? Is there many people like that that show up as guest stars or guest directors? Um, I'm not remembering an awful lot of people standing out to be fair i'm looking quite looking through it quickly just to see mm. if i've forgotten anyone but no i'm not recalling any like major like horror stars and they've had tobin bell and stuff in the first yeah so i'm sure there is someone that pops up in here but it's not coming to my head i'm afraid no fair enough well it's good to know i presume it will go on and on right because yeah shudder it must be one of their kind of um prime things that they do 
Yes. And they seem to be growing generally, don't they? Um, cool. Hmm. Yeah, we'll give that a look. Any stand? Did you say there was a standout episode, or is more that this the, was just a good bunch? Prop, the horror prop one was was my yeah. favourite standout one. That was really good. Cool. That was a lot of fun, and the Queen Bee one with the crazy singer turning into a weird insect thing. That was cool. Hmm. Do you think they'll do a Christmas special or is it, I guess it's too late Ooh, for that? Yeah, I think they probably or we'll have to keep an eye on Shudder just to find out, to be fair, because they did nice. sneak one in last year. <laughs> that so, was yeah, really I'm, good. I like that I'm one. definitely going to keep an eye. Yeah, it was really funny. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> they'll do something similar to that. Nice. Creep show now on uh, season three, right? Yeah, season now on three. I'll catch yeah. up with that. Hmm. Um, yeah, also, what else have you been also, I finally watched Doctor Sleep. Ah, oh, nice. I, I found it, I think it was on Prime, or was it Disney Plus? No, it was, it was Prime, I yep. think, because they got the director's cut on there as well. Yes. So yeah. ha- having never seen the theatrical release, I went straight in and watched the director's cut. Mm. And um, yeah, I was. I, I can't believe I left it. It's another one that I've left really, really late because loads of other people have watched it and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you haven't seen it yet. But I was mm. on a bit of a Mike Flanagan binge after midnight mass and enjoying everything else of his so i was like yeah i really need to get on and watch this one and i was i was very pleasantly surprised i mean i i love um ewan mcgregor as an actor anyway yeah so it's good to see him up there he's great as um dan um but i think what i really really appreciated was the way they made um the hotel look from the original movie and the way they cast the characters as well. I thought the lady that played um, Wendy Torrance yeah. was really good. You know, you think the original actress, was it, what was her name? Shelley? Shelley Duvall, yeah. That's it. You know, she's, she's quite a unique looking person and mm. you'd think it would be hard for them to try and match, but I thought they did a really good job um, with the lady that they chose. Yeah. And they had Henry Thomas as Jack, well, bartender. Mm. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I just thought it was good. It was it was long, but it had a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Doctor Sleep. But it'll be, I haven't seen the director's cut. I just saw it in the cinema where I mm. think it was, it was still long. And I think... Um, yeah, I think it's in, like the director's cut is only, what, 20, 20 odd minutes longer. Wow, yeah. That's cool, though. I mean, it is uh, Flanagan stuff is very much um, it's very detailed, isn't it? It's very character driven mm. and it's very like a novel, really. Uh, that's that's been brought to the screen. In this case, literally, it was obviously based on the Doctor Sleep novel. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you'd have more stuff that is worth including rather than just shoving in extra stuff for the sake of it. Um, so I must check that out. Yeah, the recreation of the Overlook is spectacular. It's a beautiful recreation of that. Yeah, and, and the maze. Yeah, the maze. Yeah, incredible detail, really good. And the movie has such a tough job because it's obviously the Stephen King book of Doctor Sleep is a sequel to the Stephen King book, The Shining, which is quite different, especially in terms of the ending of The Shining to the movie. So this this somehow had to please the people that loved the film of The Shining and mm. follow on from the ending of that and also do the same for the King novel, which has a totally different ending and a quite a different kind of tone. And it did it really well. I think it really covers both bases. Um, I seem to remember it not being much of a hit at the time, but I think Dr. Sleep will be one of those things that kind of grows over time and more people will 
will rate it as one of the better horror films of like the recent few years. Yeah, it's really good, really yeah. well cast. I do like Ewan McGregor too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And the young girl that plays um, Abra, she's yes. really good. Yeah, tough role. Yeah, she's superb. And so is our oh, man. What's she called? Rose the Hat. Is that her name? Yeah, the character. Yeah. Rebecca. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. Ferguson. Yes. Yeah, she's really um, good. My my probably unhealthy love of the greatest showman means that i'm a big rebecca ferguson fan because she's a big part oh, okay. of that don't tell anyone okay okay i won't don't tell anyone <laughs> that i've never seen that <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> that's shocking that's really shocking actually <laughs> both anyway. really shocking you love it i've never seen it <laughs> please don't watch it because if you hate it it would break my heart <laughs> Which some people do, they do actually hate it. Some people. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably not my cup of tea, but you know, some musicals <laughs> surprise me. But it does have Hugh Jackman in it, doesn't it? So I have to say, yes, if you're else. a Hugh Jackman fan, which obviously you are because you like Van Helsing, <laughs> yeah. um, if you he's sense, I mean, he is uh, there's lots of people in The Great Showman, but he is sensational in that. And he is a in, in real life and he's done stage stuff, he's a proper song and dance man as well as being a very good actor. And uh, yeah, I think I think actually him alone is enough to sway the greatest showman for you in a way that probably without him it wouldn't. So hmm. mm. yeah, okay, well, that, would be, that would be my only yeah thing that would make me watch it. Yeah, now I'm a bit worried that you'll watch it and then yeah, but no, that's okay. No, I can, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can be strong with this. Uh, it's a horror podcast, of course, and yeah, true. We should musical podcast that I'm going to have to do. Will be another thing. Uh, yeah, what else that, have you watched next uh, week? Yes, yes. The all singing. There are enough horror musicals to warrant a musical episode. So, oh yeah, I think that I think is going to need to do one. Yes, mm. for sure, absolutely. But yeah, um, that's kind of it for recently seen. But I have been venturing out of the house again this month. Good God, I know twice in one year. Honestly, twice in a year. Jesus, someone's living it out. I know. I know, I had to do it while I still can. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I, I went out to another gig. Hooray! Um, <laughs> just in our local city of Norwich to the university, which is a popular venue for most bands that travel mm. to Norwich. There's not very many places to play, so they often pop to the university. But, um, yes, I finally got to see um, Ailstorm Glory Hammer on their UK tour. They did nice. an 11-date tour beginning i think it started end of november i saw them on the 9th so they had another two dates and then that was the end of the show so we kind of saw them towards the end heard lots of good things about the previous shows that have been going on there's been lots of stuff that's been happening um with a couple of the bands uh one of the support bands aether realm pulled out so they got replaced by a kind of a band that was not my cup of tea but they're called the bootyard bandits and they're a cowboy metal band from england mm. weird yeah wow. I, I wasn't I, I wasn't too sure about them i was a bit like not not my kind of cup of tea country and western is country and western you can't just say it's metal and yeah not so great but yeah mm. um glory hammer were fantastic i've never seen them before but in the summer they'd managed they'd played bloodstock and um they'd kind of spontaneously sacked their singer straight after bloodstock which caused a bit of uproar um but they replaced him very quickly and they brought out their new guy who's a 
Greek guy or Cypriot guy called Sozos Michael, and um, he was fantastic. He was a nice. great placement for the old singer. Same, like very similar vocal range and stuff like that. And you know, they really got their shit together and put on a really great show. Fantastic. And Ailstorm were pirate metal at their best. Always fantastic. <laughs> I've seen them about three or four times now, but um, they released their album, The Curse of the Crystal Coconut, just before. Well, they recorded it just before COVID happened. And unfortunately, it kind of got released in the middle of COVID. So they had to cancel all of the tour dates they had planned to promote the album and stuff. So this was the first time they'd actually be able to get out and play tracks from the album. So, you know, we were all itching. I was like, oh, my God, I want to hear them play this song, this song, this song and this song from the album. And they did. It's like they read my mind, played (laughs) my favourite songs. And yeah, they're just they're just great fun. And it, it was a really good night. Nice. I, I like Ailes. I only know them from the, not the recent stuff, I don't think, but from the, the albums you've loaned me over the years. Yep. Um, they're great fun. And I can imagine that it really proper comes to life on the stage. It does. It does. And they know all the songs that people want to hear as well. Is Drink one of them? Drink. That is called yes. Drink, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Which yeah. has got the best chorus of, of all time. Yeah. When you say that, a lot of them, have a, lot, a lot of them have very similar sing-along choruses and stuff. Wenches and Mead. (laughs) They didn't play that one this time, but they played Nancy the Tavern Wench, a couple of the old favourites. Fucked with an Anchor was always going to be the last song they play. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. They have great cover art on the CDs and stuff as well, don't they? They do, yeah. The designs are great. Do you you have T-shirts and stuff from them, right? Yes. Yes, I do. Nice. I have the entry-level party metal T-shirt. It's one of my favourite nice. slogans. <laughs> do you have pin badges? Do you collect pin badges from gigs? I, that was always a thing for me in the old days when I'd go to things like that. It's not so much these days. I mean, I, I and unfortunately kind of avoided the merch for the hey. Aelstorm gig because running a little bit low on money and the tickets yeah. themselves for the gig were pretty steep, to be fair. So, yeah, mm. the T-shirts were like 30 quid. Whoa. Oh, that's, yeah, that's beyond the T-shirt yeah. budget. Yeah, um, exactly. They had, they had this amazing, um, really nice red hoodie. And on the back, it said um, something about um, stealing metal piracy and stuff. I was like, that's really cool. Looked at it. It was 50 quid. <gasps> yeah. I was that's, just like, oh, that's, no. yeah, I totally get it because they've, they've presumably <laughs> had a tough year. Budget. But yeah, yeah, they have, yeah. But yeah, so have I. So <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry. Yeah. Chad. And that's again, it's a mental thing. Like we, we're used to paying a bit more at things like this for a t shirt and it's nice for the memento, but yeah, there's a cutoff and fifty pounds for a hoodie is that, you know, that's yeah. A, that's a shame. I'm hoping I can grab it online another time when I've saved some more pennies. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, that's that is all from me. What have you nice. been up to, Stephen? That sounds grand. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the last time we recorded in November, yeah, I've seen a few things. I haven't been up to a huge amount, really. Um, I've been to the cinema a couple of times because they're still open. Ooh, things nice. generally, yeah. actually, are still open, um, which is good. And hopefully, we'll stay stay that way. Um, I've seen a couple of. I saw one thing at the cinema which I never imagined I would go to see. And no, it's Ooh. not. It's not a musical in this case. Although Cats, if you ever get a chance to watch the musical of Cats, the film version, that's totally bonkers. And, what the uh, new one? 
the the one with James Corden and um, Judy Dench and people like that. It's totally mad. Oh God! Um, I saw it. It's it was out a year or so, maybe two years ago, but it stayed with me because it's genuinely weird and perverse. You can't believe that anyone greenlit um, the way it's made. They've all got these weird tails that look like erections. It's just totally yeah. totally mad. Um, mm. uh, yeah, but that's that's obviously by the by. But yes, in the cinema, I went to see Spencer because. It was recommended to me by someone that I kind of trust. <gasps> Spencer, is that the thing about the royals? Yes. Do you want yes. to know a fact about that film? I do, yes. It was filmed in the church where my parents live, in the little village of Shropham where my parents live. Wow, where is Shropham again? That's not far. That's... It's not far away. It's near Thetford. Yes. Ex that that makes half, sense. About half an hour away. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing, man. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Like I was checking the the end bit, and I'm sure it, it probably did say Shropham, but I'd I'd totally forgotten where Possibly that was. Possibly not. But yeah, they couldn't actually like do the actual filming at Sandringham. So Shropham, they did like a big recce mission around the county and stuff to find a place nice. that um, looks like it. And our church, or the place Shropham's church, is the one that fit the bill. So that's and where yeah, you grew up then. It was we moved there when I was a young and yes. Yes, wow, man. Well, get this right. So Spencer, um, I, I don't have any interest in in the Royals or you know things like that. But I was told that this is something quite different, and it really is. And it's um, it's it's a really fantastic film, and it very much is in the bag of the stuff that we talk about on this podcast. Strangely enough, it's a proper kind of gothic thing, really. Um, if if you don't know, this is about basically three days that Princess Diana spent at Sandringham in the early 90s. So it's just set over this kind of long weekend at Christmas. It starts on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's a fictionalised version of stuff that probably went down to a degree, you know. So it shows her as, as being extremely unhappy, as being um, self-harming and being totally miserable. Uh, fitting into this very rigid regimented um lifestyle where you know obviously she's hounded by the press and the royals have their ancient traditions and she has to be wearing a certain dress at a certain time of day which is all dictated to her so that's a big part of it is is princess diana really just cracking up over the course of the weekend but the atmosphere is really something else like it feels like the shining we mentioned a, a minute ago but Ooh. Parts of it feel like The Shining, including some scenes in, in these huge kitchens at Sandringham. Um, and and the ghost of Anne Boleyn haunts her. There's a scarecrow in the field that feels like something out of a kind of 1970s folk horror film. And it's really eerie. It's perpetually overcast. So like you said, they filmed it in Norfolk, which obviously is where Ooh. it's set. And you know you can tell it's shot in Norfolk. And it's, and it's a very eerie mood. And the, the royal family, apart from her, and apart from her two sons, the the rest of the royal family are portrayed as incredibly, you know, incredibly frosty. The queen is particularly unsympathetic in this. You know, she's a very mm. cold, alienating figure. Um, so it's a really fascinating watch. Kristen, Kristen Stewart is the is Princess Diana, um, and Kirsten Stewart. I've called her Kristen. She's Kirsten Stewart, isn't she? No, it's Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Whew. Kristen, um, yeah. Kristen, yeah. She's so you know she's uh, she's possibly in the category of you know lover or hater actresses, but she's actually very talented and and she's done some interesting things. And in this, she's very good. I and mean, it's a tough job okay. to play Princess Diana. 
because you run the risk of it just being a kind of impersonation, I guess, of such a, a well-known figure. But she's really good and it's very sympathetic to Diana and it does make you think much more about, you know, well, hey, this this probably was her existence um, marrying into this family. Prince Charles comes off as particularly cold as well. Um, so, yeah, if you want to, you know, whether you have an interest in this stuff, in these particular people or not, I think is irrelevant because it's a proper, almost a ghost story. Well, it kind oh, of cool. genuinely is a ghost story at different points, but it's cool. almost a horror film. Um and the director that made it did an interesting film called Jackie, which is about the the few days in Jackie Kennedy's life after President Kennedy got shot. And that had a similar mood where it was part true story, but also so kind of unsettling that it became something else. So, yeah, I really liked Spencer. I I thought that oh, was that was quite something cool. And the North, you know, where we live in Norfolk, the Sandringham connection, etc. Yeah. Added something else to it as well um but yeah that was cool man i do recommend that surprisingly oh, you never know you see these things yeah absolutely i, I will tell my mum she's desperate to see it so yeah <laughs> I'll say, it's been highly recommended yeah and i think i'd be i'd love to hear what people who who are really you know and who did follow the, the royals and stuff how they feel about it because it's as it's an interesting portrait of the family but it's uh it's a particularly thoughtful and kind of makes you think, oh, wow, yeah, you know, about Princess Diana especially and Ooh. what she would have gone through. And we only know her from the public image and all of that stuff. But to see her at her most vulnerable in this and think, hmm, this is probably how it went down is, is particularly interesting, especially in light of what happened to her in the end. So, yeah, that was that was a cool surprise. Um, nice. Other stuff I've seen, I guess, is more in my conventional kind of watching, um, which is to say silly. Uh, so I watched Willy's Wonderland, which um, Yay! Is, you've seen this, right, Sarah? Yeah, yeah, yeah I watched which, it a few months ago. Yes, I knew it, um, which is the, if anyone doesn't know, which is the Nicolas Cage film where uh, it's all about this kind of disgraced old theme park, which was which was amusingly founded and ran by serial killer who then employed a bunch of nutters so that they could kill families in the super happy fun room <laughs> and their their kind of spirits or their their energies got trapped inside the animatronic characters at the theme park um it's totally mad isn't it i mean it's um it's, it's great fun bonkers. i have to say i think we had this chat when i hadn't seen it but it's definitely more fun than the banana splits oh, i'm glad you agree because you really really loved that movie and i felt I a little like bit bad it. for saying that i yeah. wasn't quite as much of a fan as you were but yeah i, t I totally agree that willie's wonderland it's very similar yes to the banana is, splits thing. Actually, well, yeah. i suppose it doesn't have the annoying small children it has slightly older children and it has nicholas cage just being yeah. a crazy man that he is and he says nothing which yeah, is kind of amusing well. in itself no no dialogue whatsoever yeah it's mostly him it's him being kind of kind of moping about and well him kind of beating the shit out of these animatronic robots yeah. every five minutes which in is pretty cool ways yeah with the urinal and everything yeah um so it has more energy that i think the banana spits movie i did have a lot of fun with that but i think there were times where it, it seemed to be a bit padded and the idea seemed to be a bit one note which I guess it is in this as well. Mm -hmm. yeah, but this yeah. one does move more. It's got more going on. It's got a bunch of kind of slasher movie style characters in it that, that are there to get killed. Um, 
but I just like the it, it went there with the bad taste stuff. So I love the fact that, you know, it has these it has a brief flashback where it shows the um, the kids and uh, and these robots that say things like that they're going to eat their eyes out. And they were great. And, and the fact that Cage is doing an entirely physical performance is quite cool, actually. It doesn't happen very often. For he's a big, the one he's to a do big it. star. Yeah. 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 He's a big star that, that makes, he now and again makes a really serious film where he's very, very good in it. And then mm. he fills up the rest of the time making low budget stuff or wacky stuff where he's just, just kind of stuff. Yeah. doing the Cage thing. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I was well on board with Willy's Wonderland. It was great fun. Um, mm-hmm. Elsewhere, I, I saw Critters Attack, which is the most recent Critters film, which I thought was terrible, which is, you know, know. even though it's got Dee Wallace in it as a kind of critter bounty hunter, it's not very good. It's it's sappy. It kind of wants to be, it's a bit sentimental about its kid characters and it's, and the, the Critters are big they're too big they're, they're not the little kind of pointy hedgehoggy things from the old ones they're they're oversized they're still puppets which is good they didn't cgi them oh good oh good um, well at least they're mostly they're not cgi but yeah yeah i thought chris attack was big anyway exactly yeah i thought it was a bit rubbish actually and it it was a bit it was trying too hard to be funny and and like i said at some points it really gets all sugary sweet with its characters which doesn't really wash if you you know not for so, a quick yeah. movie nah so that's disappointing i know there was a critters tv series which i haven't seen which came out around the same time as critters attack which is the movie and okay. the two things as far as i know are totally separate so i don't know if the rights for certain aspects are owned by a different company or something but as far as Critters Attack goes, yeah, didn't like it really. Did that one a myth? Bit of a uh. deal. Um, we're talking about ghost stories later, but I saw a really good one called The Night House, which, uh, funnily enough, is on Disney Plus. It had a small cinema release, and then very soon after went to Disney Plus, like a lot of things actually, um, if they're either owned by Disney or 20th Century Fox. And um, Lighthouse is really good. It's I definitely recommend it. It's by David Bruckner, who I th- yeah, David Bruckner. I think he directed that really good spooky British film, The Ritual. Um, uh, oh God, I love that film. Yes, yeah, I thought you'd seen it. The Ritual's great, and he co-directed Southbound, I think, the, the <gasps> anthology movie. Which I was love that as well. Good. Yeah, well, The Lighthouse is really good too. It's um, it's I suppose it does have because I remember The Ritual being incredibly eerie. And the night house mm. is too. It has a great performance by Rebecca Hall, who who kind of is the whole the whole show really. She's a woman. Her husband's recently committed suicide, and it's quite a mystery. There was no real signs of why he would do that, and it's and she seems to be haunted either by him or by something else. So it is a ghost story, but it's very underplayed. It's very eerie without like lots of shocks or jump scares and stuff. She's great. She's she's actually incredible in it. And it, when it unravels and you realise where it's heading, it's, it's actually quite heartbreaking. You know, it's got a twist, I guess not a big twist, but a sort of twist that makes total sense of what you've just watched. So, yeah, The Nighthouse, nice and short, an hour and a half or so, I thought was nice. really, really good. Um, probably one of those little gems that hopefully people will discover on um, Disney+. Plus. Probably, you know, it came out in the cinema briefly, but it's not. Like it would have been very good at the cinema, but it doesn't necessarily need to be seen on the big screen. It works really well on TV. So, yeah, The Night House, really good. Like that one. Um, otherwise, uh, The Columnist is, oh, I think it's Dutch. 
forgive me, mm. Dutch people, if it's not. Uh, the columnist was at a freight fest, either actually probably last year, I think. And it's now on Prime, I believe, <laughs> or Sky or one of those things. There's <laughs> about 26 different places where it would have been. <laughs> oh, um, it's really bizarre now, isn't it? We've got like 400 different ways of watching. Which... Yeah, exactly. And it all kind of blurs into one. You're like, did I watch that on that or that or that? And just I... saying Dis- Disney Plus, you're just like, why am I saying Disney? It just doesn't seem to be, you know, horror, Disney. Uh, well, it's ridiculous. Matt, when you look at Disney Plus, it's like it's bonkers. You know, how far off from Disney Plus saying, well, yes, we've acquired the rights to Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> so you can watch it straight after <laughs> that Frozen 2. That would not surprise me. Yeah. Um, because they own so much, because they own 20th Century Fox and other things as well, they're, they're you know, uh, shilling out all this stuff for your Disney Plus membership when you should be watching The Little Mermaid. Um, quite bizarre. Uh, but yeah, the columnist is quite fun. It's it's a bit like, I suppose, it reminded me a bit of a, do you remember the Falling Down, uh, Falling Down with Michael Douglas, the 90s <gasps> film? Oh, God, yeah. In a weird way, I mean, it's totally different to that, but in a weird way, it's a bit like that, but... He's okay. obviously pissed. He's obviously pissed off at like Los Angeles and the noise and being served in a fast food restaurant. All that stuff makes him go over the edge. But in the columnist, uh, this woman who is unsurprisingly a columnist in a magazine, um, she's tipped over the edge by internet trolls. So she's <laughs> she's a very public figure, and she has these awful, uh, mostly middle aged white men that you know regularly insult her or call her fat online and things like that and it tips her over the edge she, she goes on a rampage and kills them <laughs> oh excellent and it's um it's it's kind of a black comedy with obviously a very serious message about idiots that that do things like that um mm-hmm. and it does i suppose yeah it does become serious at times but ultimately it is it's a dark comedy she's fantastic i genuinely can't remember the actress's name but she's great and it is obviously very much a film for now with Twitter and other social media that it portrays quite convincingly and quite, you know, uh, annoyingly because we can recognise these people really easily. So The Columnist is really good. It's, again, really short. It's in and out in an hour and 20. And um, and it's extremely well played. But, yeah, for some it falling down is kind of what it reminded me of. But obviously with a gender switch and also a total, yeah. a film of now rather than, in that case, a film of the 90s which was mm. the driving force um and finally i think finally chucky the tv series um yay which is doing the rounds in the uk it's doing the rounds on sky i think it showed on the sci-fi channel in america um this is an eight-part series and it's by don mancini who <clears throat> has been on board with chucky from the beginning and mm-hmm. he's the guy that for me, fabulously rescued it from becoming almost this kind of um, very commercial, very popular, but a little bit repetitive franchise and did mad things with it, like Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky, and then did more sequels, uh, Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky were the two most mm-hmm. recent sequels. Then there was a remake by totally different people, which made Chucky a you know, much more up-to-date kind of Android control thing. Um and this is him again. So this does uh, follow up, eventually follows up on his most recent sequels. Although it explains the events, so you don't need to have watched Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky. And it's really quite good. It's got Brad Dorif back as the voice of Chucky. Yay! Which is great, because he didn't do the voice yeah. in the remake, because they did something different. Um, eventually, it's got Jennifer Tilly back um, as sort of Tiffany, but you have to watch it to find out. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I watched the first five episodes and Jennifer Tilly has just come into it. It's got Fiona Doriff, who was the star of is Brad's daughter, who was the star of Curse of Chucky and Cult of Chucky um, in kind of an extraordinary role as well. She's basically playing the character her dad played before he got transferred into the doll in, in the flashback scenes um, and then something else later on. So it's really quite bizarre. But it's uh, it's also got quite a nice it, the, the main lead is a, like a teenage boy and it's quite a nicely portrayed uh, and unpatronizing portrait of a of an unusual, actually unusually um, unusually characters is gay teenage boy. And um, it's also got an awful an awful um, kind of popular girl that you you want to get killed, but has more depth than you think she will have. And it's fun. It's it's kind of gory. Um, I read an article that says they're allowed to say fuck ten times an episode, so it's got some swearing oh, in it. Nice, yeah. Although interestingly, they bleep the um, they bleep the c word in one in one episode, which unfortunately ruins much. it. Ruins a great line because it's aimed uh, at that awful popular girl that you hate <laughs> so much, and it does ruin a great line. But I guess that's a bridge too far for them. But you do get to see people being stabbed many times to death, so that's you know that's okay yeah chucky's good i've uh, got three episodes to go apparently the finale is great um it does have you don't string it out it's a bit it kind of, yeah it's it's all it's right kind of thing going on like an ongoing story throughout the whole series or is it like a different scenario every episode oh yeah it's it's definitely an ongoing story yeah so it's the main character is that teenage boy he's like 14 or something he's the the main character but and Chucky's a doll, you know, Chucky's a doll that ends up kind of in his hands as his because he's a lonely kind of guy and it ends up as his kind of doll. But it spins off from there. So it's an ongoing story that happens to tie into the films that came before. OK, um, Devon Sauer is in it. He's a dad. He's the guy from, oh, cool. you know, from years ago, Final Destination. Um, he's popping up again. He's supposed to be in Black Friday. Well, I say supposed to. He is in Black Friday. Black Friday, right? yes. Yeah, he's he's about. Um, Which I believe is coming out on DVD next month. Oh, wow. What, in the UK, yeah? I think so, yeah. So nice. I've heard. It's the only thing I've heard about it since. I haven't heard great reviews about it from people. It's it's a lot of people saying it's it's not that great. But, you know, <sighs> if it's got him and it's got Bruce in it, then who who cares and zombies it's going to be amazing bruce yeah yeah it looks fun we shall see yeah i'm sure it'll be it'll be worth a look it's cool that it's coming out um yeah so chucky i'd say watch it i mean like i said the the word on the street is that the the finale is good it does seem to be moving quite decently like there's there is characters in it that you'll think yeah but then those ones are largely meant to be grating it could probably be done in shorter time, but there's enough there. Each episode's about 45 minutes, I suppose. And I suppose it's just fun to have most of the gang back, like Brad Dorif especially. Yeah. Jennifer Tilly, if you're a fan of her, she's now, as I'm watching it, she's now coming into it in a big way. So, yeah. If you're a Chucky fan, I think it, it probably ticks, as, ticks most of the boxes, which is cool. Yeah, I think that's it, Sarah. That's probably what I've watched. That's a lot. Yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? I don't know how I rammed it all in, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there to get through, man. It's just never ending. It is. Uh, um, So, yeah, so it's time for the 
the main focus this month, which is because it's Christmas, we thought it would be a good idea recording this the week before Christmas. We're going out on Christmas Eve, not going out as in going out for a night, uh, <laughs> but um, the episode's going out. And uh, it made sense to do ghost stories. Um, don't know about you, but I always associate Christmas with ghost stories. And winter in general is a fantastic time to read a chilly ghost story or watch a uh, similarly themed film. And for the main uh, look at things this month, we're going to look at the two Woman in Black films uh, that have come out in very different eras as two examples of the form. And uh, for me, the Woman in Black the original film version from 1989 is very much about Christmas because um, it was shown on Christmas Eve in 1989 when I was 11, Sarah, 11. Can you believe <gasps> that? Gosh, all that time ago. <laughs> yes. Like, what was that, like 10 years ago now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just 10 years ago, yes. Um, I am uh, 21 now. Um, yeah. And the Woman in Black is is a really good book. I mean, if you, if you've read it or not, um, it's a very slim book. It's like 130 or so pages, so a novella really, by Susan Hill, written in the early 80s. And it's become this huge thing because um, it was a book, and people went, oh yeah, it's a book, and they liked it. And then it became a huge West End play, which I haven't seen, but I know people that have and say it's fantastically creepy and spooky. The play does change a few things about the book, including the ending, as do the two films that we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interestingly. Um, so, yeah, it was already on the stage by the end of the 80s uh, in a small way. Then it became a big West End thing. And in 1989, it became this uh, this ITV production, which Little Me watched on Christmas Eve while waiting for Santa, having had to mm. sit through Cagney and Lacey beforehand as the minutes seem like hours, you know, waiting mm -hmm. for presents. Um, and the woman in black blew me away, you know, blew me the fuck away because it was terrifying. And I was a horror fan. So I'd watched a lot of stuff already. I'd watched all the proper, you know, all the, the 80s horror films that you can think of. I'd probably have watched already on VHS. But I always had a thing where if a ghost story was told in the right way, I'd be proper spooked. And that's what happened with this one. Because it's, you know, it's that classic thing of where, Oh, this is quite a cosy period drama <laughs> yeah. on Christmas Eve. <laughs> it seems nice and wholesome and friendly. Everyone's happy and smiling. <laughs> it's got British actors in it. <laughs> yeah, like good old hard-working, working-class people working for a living, just trying to get by, being all cheery about it. Yeah, <laughs> and then and, and then God, you know, this um, creepy woman starts appearing. Yeah, it, I mean, it's fantastic. I have to say this is this, you know, kind of a very slanted uh, thing as far as I'm concerned, because this is one of my favourites. I mean, it's not just because the nostalgia factor, although that's that's a thing, because it really did in the uh, uh, polite parlance shit me up back in the day. Um, but it makes sense that it did, because it's written by Nigel Neal, who adapted the book by Susan Hill and was pretty faithful to it. Um I think there's a few things that she hated, like she hated that he changed the sex of the dog, who's a girl dog in the book. Um, spider. Oh, spider? Yeah, yeah. Spider's like my favourite character. <laughs> You're rooting for Spider. Well, yeah, yeah. Spider's, great. spider's a big yeah. part of the book as well. You know, Spider is is what kind of keeps him sane up to a point. Uh, very important. Um, 
But yeah, Nigel Neal has extraordinary, you know, Nigel Neal, uh, this is one of the last, I guess this was the last horror-ish thing he did, but he's the guy that created Quatermass and he did really disturbing shows in the 70s, like Beasts, if you ever get a chance to watch Beasts. Um, uh, yeah, jeez. Um, so yeah, it had a proper horror pedigree behind it. Um, and it works really well. I mean, it's it's got a, what I think is a is a really good sympathetic main character as he is in the book, you know, in the book, he's, uh, it's told in flashback in the book, but he's 22 years old, I think, um, in the main action in the book, which, which kind of makes sense later on when you have young Daniel Radcliffe cast, because he, you know, kind of fits that age group. Um, yeah, you really root for him. Um, and the build up, I think is really good. Obviously, he starts seeing the eponymous woman in black as a kind of mortar in churchyards and things like that. Ooh. And you do get you do get a lot of the almost hammer horror thing of oh you know <laughs> there's no road to real marsh house yeah um, you'll <laughs> don't never... stay there after five <laughs> yeah don't go when the there fog comes in yeah <laughs> don't go near the marsh you'll be done for there's a lot of that going on I'm not quite sure mm. where those people are from but yes <laughs> um, and uh, yeah and the, what I like about all of these things and indeed a few ghost stories. Um, which we'll possibly mention later, is that uh, in this genre, which is quite rare, and in both cases with these two films, is that you're following a genuinely freaked out and frightened man, you know, rather Ooh. than a, a woman wandering about with a candelabra, you're following a grown man that's genuinely terrified and uh, yeah, is victimised. Yeah, jumping at shadows and, you know, by the end of it, turns into a complete mess, makes him yeah. really, really ill in the... 80s one doesn't he absolutely the whole experience yeah yeah it's adrian rawlins that plays him in the in the pre in the early one and it does it really well i think and it's He's parts lovely. of the movie are him by himself um which yeah. is the same for the 2012 one and indeed for the novel um and it works really well and and i i just think i think the way it builds is superb i think uh ghost stories are all about mood and they're all about the build-up and I think the best of them are fairly quiet movies, which the 89 mm. Woman in Black is a is what you would call a, a quiet movie, which for me is a big bonus because the atmosphere is so is so strong. Um, and I could talk about it forever, but what's what's your thoughts on the, the 1989 Woman in Black, uh, Sarah? Because I think, was this the first time you'd watched it? Yeah, yeah, I've <gasps> not seen it before. Yeah, I know, wow. shame on me, shame on me. Just after you said you know how it freaked you out so much as a kid and stuff I was like I really ought to you know get on and watch this sure. and I did I did find it obviously yeah like really wholesome to start off with I was just like oh, I just love everyone it does, <laughs> does kind of remind me of the kind of like Dickens-esque Christmas carol type thing going on yeah. um, with your old old men and in, in like the, the Sam Toovey who takes him in Mm. Lends him spider and stuff. You know, those characters were great. The old man that played the um, estate agent. Yeah. Yeah. He was great, great too. Um, yeah. I loved the build up because to start off with, it, it's in daylight. You know, he's seeing the woman in mm. black in the graveyard in daylight and stuff. And you're thinking to yourself, I know that nobody else can see her and it is just him. And you don't feel a complete sense of dread until you get to the house, but it's just, it's just the way they build it up. Yeah. And she's great. She, you know, they don't they don't rely on any jump scares or any of the sort. Mm. 
in these kind of ones, which they then tend to like lean on more in the 2012 one. This one's yeah. a little bit more simpler. But I love I love the concept of it, obviously. It's a woman that goes out luring children. You know, there's this whole underlying thing mm-hmm. that whoever sees the woman in black, their child or a child from the village as it is, is going to get taken, disappear. Yes. You know, who knows what happens to them and stuff. Um, and that's quite a dark undertone going on in the village. You know, no one really wants to talk about it, but they know that it's going on. Mm. Yeah, that's it's really disturbing, isn't it? And mm. um And yeah. the ending. The ending, oh. man. God, that just absolutely like blew my mind. You know. They yeah. they totally did mix it up. I mean, I've never read the book either. Shame on me again. So I don't know what the ending in the book is. And obviously the two movies have completely different endings, but that is one hell of a shock thing to end on in the eighties one. Yeah, it's a, it's an extraordinary, and that you know, there, there's there's other things about the film that always stayed with me. But that ending, you know, whether you watch it at eleven or not, I think it it does stay with you because it's kind of astonishing. Um, that's crazy. And we're going to talk about it, so we're going to spoil it right now. Um, yeah, yeah, let's if, do it. If that's not your bag, if you're listening, um, but yeah, it really is, and and it's a really it's it's cruel in a way that I think. Um, Nigel Neal as a writer often often was his stories including even the the Quatermass things which maybe people remember from a cozy period of horror really aren't they're quite dark and you know Ooh. pretty cynical and this is this is kind of faithful to the book actually it's very faithful to the book I mean the book is is different in the sense of the main character is reflecting on these events so he's 35 i think in the book oh okay telling the story back back, yeah yeah, when he was 22 so in the modern day he's he's remarried or he's engaged or something and he's reflecting on how he lost his Mm. his wife and and child in the earlier children yeah it's just one in the book i believe oh okay Um, so there's a few changes but the ending Mm -hmm. is very similar in a lot of ways because basically uh, in the book um there's a sense of closure like in the film you know you seem things seem to have sorted themselves out um he's moved on you think ah okay this seems to be all okay he's away (laughs) from the area and you know you kind of think that it's like just kind of village related really yeah the curse is broken or at least his part of the curse is broken um and in the book uh his wife and son so he's just those two they're on a pony and trap ride it's all jolly and then it collides with a tree and Ooh. and he watches them uh the the wife doesn't die straight away in the book but she i think she lives for like a year and then she just dies and the son is killed instantly so there's an awful moment where he sees his his corpse at the scene Ooh. um so that you know that's really strong stuff but seeing it in the film is kind of mental because he's reunited with his family and it's a nice day out of the river Things and happen, there's yeah. There is that moment where he spots the woman on the water, which is, I think, a, a really great image. I love that image. I think that's fantastic. And and the ending is quite different in style to the, the rest of the film, because for the only Ooh. time in the film, it uses quite a lot of rapid cuts. The rest of the film is very deliberately paced, which works really well for it, you know. Um, and it's very much about you hear the screams of his wife and the soundtrack and you realise, oh, shit, you know, you realise exactly what's happening. Um, yeah. The visuals of the river are very kind of remind me of the 70s stuff, even the 70s, the great classic um, 
70s public information film about not playing near the river, dark and lonely <laughs> water, <laughs> which uh, made us all afraid of doing just that in the, yeah. in the, in the 80s. Um, but yeah, it's an astonishing moment. It's, yeah, it's and it just brutal. fades out on that moment. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's it. They've just wiped out an entire family. I'm guessing that's why they had to do it differently yeah. to the book. They wanted to do this shock thing. So they're like, oh, we'll add another kid make it even worse and then we'll yeah. just kill everyone off yeah because it has those kind of soft focus uh, cozy scenes early on with the family doesn't it where it's setting mm. them up which again is quite cruel really because they're setting them up just so they can be introduced so they can be all killed off at the end yeah uh, which is and they um, are a lovely family as well even though the kid sweet. is annoying obviously <laughs> but the wife is lovely he's lovely mm. yeah he's, there's another he's well bit cast. Yeah, later on, when, once he's back from Eel Marsh House and back in his office where he has a bit of a breakdown and he starts burning everything, that's quite mm. that's quite disturbing as well, really. Yeah, yeah. The, as, you, as you said, the build-up's really, really good, isn't it? Um, and so much of it is because he's such a good actor in that role. Um, and there's a few, there's a few kind of creepy moments. I know there's a the only direct nod, I suppose, to earlier films, maybe, and I presume it's intentional, is the bouncing ball, which which feels Ooh. like a nod to the Changeling. And and of course, the, sure. the one the one big scare, which is the the thing where he's it's quite late on, isn't it? Where he's struggling mentally with everything and um he's in bed at the pub, I think, where when she appears while he's in bed, which is a astonishing yeah, moment. Yeah, that is that is that is scary. Which was the bit that totally got you when you were a kid? Uh it, well it was the two. It was the ending and it was that bit in bed where he, uh, okay, cool. I think he initially sees the shadow and mm. then you get what and I then think. Like, right yeah, close up screaming right in his <laughs> and that's the only real proper lingering glance you get of the woman isn't it otherwise she's shown in long yeah. shot or she's yeah. she's very rarely in the film which is the i think the key to this and and i do remember um because you don't forget this stuff but i do remember that that moment where where he's having a nice rest or trying to have a nice rest because he's already really traumatized and it's probably the only thing you could call a jump scare in this film but that moment where he's screaming the scream carries over into the ad break because <laughs> uh, because of course this was on itv on commercial sure. tv so every 20 minutes or so you'd have some adverts for bird's eye fish fingers to break the tension um <laughs> but in this case you know you were grateful for the ads because like, oh jesus christ <laughs> must go and get some oval team um <laughs> calm yourself down so yeah the the two i think it's perhaps unique because it was the overall atmosphere of the thing uh, but definitely that shock with her appearing while he's in the bed and the ending with the family is is the two moments that that would it maybe they gave me nightmares, I can't remember, but they definitely always stayed with me. Yeah. Which is fantastic that. result from anything. Uh, if it that. Yeah. It stays with me. Um, it, it does ha it has a little bit of everything really, doesn't it? Like you say, nice spooky story, great yeah. characters, and, and and you've always got to have a dog. And Spider makes it, you know, they don't kill a dog off or do anything twatty like that. Yeah. Spider, spider's fine. Yeah, there's some stage, I don't, I think this is a modern thing, but at some stage um, it became a real cliche, didn't it? Like, uh, and it says a lot maybe about the use of animals in films generally, but it became a cliche where the family, the nice family that have just got a new babysitter who seems a bit weird, but nice enough, and they have a dog 
just so that the dog can be the first one that's pinned to a door yeah. um, to prove that she's really unhinged, you know, that mm-hmm. it was the disposable character, mm-hmm. which I guess used to be in the old days, I suppose, instead of a dog, they'd have like a like a gay neighbour or a black character next door that would be an easy victim to knock <laughs> off in the early going because that's no, how we things work. We can't do work. that now. Yeah, we'll go, yeah no, we we'll use the dog. We household pets. Because yeah. that's okay. The rabbit in Fatal Attraction, uh, how many cats in horror films. Um, yeah. And dogs. And they were all doing it. Like Dead Calm, I remember, has a scene where Nicole Kidman inadvertently spear guns the dogs to the door. Um, yeah. But yes. Yeah, the woman in black. Ah, oh, fantastic just fantastic and uh one of the great things and it was it was one of those things which um never got spoiled or had a chance to be spoiled because i think i did check this the other day but i think it was only repeated once on a different channel on channel four in the 90s and never had an official video or dvd release there was bootlegs because randomly sarah i remember picking up a bootleg clearly it was a bootleg because it looked so shite uh, for a pound in Blackpool. Wow. I was, like, was, it wow. Like recorded, was it recorded off the telly? Did it have the adverts in it? Pretty, no, no adverts, but it might as well have done because it looked like you know, <laughs> Jim Bowen at the end. Suddenly, Scotch oh, tape. Yeah. Because um, I remember thinking, hmm, that's strange. I didn't realise this had a proper release and it, and it clearly wasn't. <laughs> oh, it's a um, quid. Sod it. I'll, I'll take it anyway. And, and just to watch it in any form was great. I've watched it for years. Yeah. And that, yeah, I think that was only the second time I watched it. And then in 2020, um, the very nice Blu-ray from Network came out, which is where, and it, it really is impressive what they did. This movie was shot on 16 mil. So uh, some TV was shot on video and you can really tell in, in the 80s, but some was shot on proper film and they remastered it and it looks really good. Um, and there is a version, uh, there's two versions on the disc, I think, where there's a version where you can watch it, not with the actual ads, but with the, the bits where the ad breaks <laughs> oh, were, so, oh. where it says end of part fill in, one. Oh, fill in your own adverts. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, you can, like, act out the Milk Tray Man advert <laughs> in your, in your <laughs> if you so Oh, my God. I want to do it. <laughs> That's great. I love it's that. Great. People should, they should do more of that with the tv movies they should actually have the option adverts <laughs> no adverts i think so i don't know about you but we we made great efforts unless of course it was something you were taping uh at, later at night but we if we were watching something that we thought oh we should take this at the same time we'd make great efforts to slickly uh, yeah, stop recording stop. for the ads yeah and then sit there having to watch all the adverts just so you can <laughs> press record again don't want to miss it <laughs> Oh, fly fishing like, by J.R. Hartley. VHS like players and stuff back in those days when you press record didn't mean it was going to record straight away. You'd have to press it a good 30 <laughs> seconds beforehand. So you'd have to guess. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be on next and then you'd get like the end of the Tesco's advert or something. Yeah, oh, bollocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then there were mental things. I mean, it wasn't this wasn't one of them, but there were, it was quite common for films to to start at nine on itv and then you know get an hour in oh die hard's getting really good and die hard continues after the news at 10 yeah. and you'd have 40 minutes because it wouldn't just be the news at 10 it'd be and now here's the local news for the anglia region and yeah. today's weather yeah and you'd think oh, i would think at the time I've, I've never been someone that can stay up awfully late anyway and i'd be like oh, i'm doing so well i can do yes. this i can make it through the news and then just fall asleep like 10 yes. minutes into the news miss the other half of the film well that's it yeah you know a, a standard hour and a half film would take the entire night to watch because they've got the news <laughs> welded into it we must have the news must be on at 10 it's the law 
Yeah. Can't you just move the news to a different? No, it's the news yeah, at ten. Yeah, put the film on earlier. <laughs> Got a crazy suggestion. It might just work. Put the film on earlier. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So these are the days. But yeah, it's uh, great days. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it's it is <laughs> nice to revisit. And that blue that Blu-ray, which has a mm. a great commentary as well, which which really puts it in in the context of it being on TV at the end of the eighties. Nice. Um, it also felt like the end of an era like um although uh, i'm not old enough to have watched the ghost stories for christmas that were a huge part of the 70s on bbc one at christmas obviously um they were repeated a lot in the 80s and they were they were similar to this really there was usually a a male leading character that got spooked by a very discreetly shown ghost um and they were quiet but they always had at least one moment that made you go oh you know there was always one big scare. Yeah. Um, and this feels like one of those because it's a period film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably better because it does have, in some ways better, because it does have a much more sympathetic character than the dusty old academics, which would usually be the main characters of the um, the 70s ones. But I guess it's very much in the spirit of those ones and kind of the end of the line, because after this, there's not a huge amount of period ghost stories there are some very good ones, but they tend to be the minority. Um, mm. But yeah, the woman in black, Sarah, um, wasn't over there. It became this big West End show. And then it became another movie. It was remade it's, or re Yep. And? In 2012. Starring Daniel Radcliffe right off the back of his Harry Potter performances was that one of the first films he did after harry potter do you think i think so because the deathly hallows was that 2010 ish yeah part two was um 2011 2011 wow so yeah this would have been yes yeah, this would have been his transition yeah yeah and um, which so, is yeah. which is cool because he, he kind of like showed himself as a adaptable person and can change into different roles and stuff but it was kind of an awkward awkward character for you for him to start with i believe because it although it's a would they call it a remake or a revamp do you reckon well it's it's tricky with this isn't it because it's um it's uh, with this i'm quite sure if if you can really say it's a remake because it's really just another adaptation of the book yeah um which very different in some ways, but then the first one changed parts too. Um, in the book, do they keep is is um, the main character Arthur Kidd as he is in the eighties one? Uh, the book, the book. He's yeah. He's for the the story. He's flashing back on. He's in his twenties, uh, but it's totally different in is the twenty twelve. He doesn't have a dead wife. Goes, oh, no. sorry. Is that the yes. name that he goes by in the book? Because they change the name for the 2012 one, don't they? Only That's slightly, right. They change kind of everyone's names a little bit. So Daniel plays the Arthur Kidd character, but they've changed him to Arthur Kipps. Yes, it's. I'm sure it's Arthur Kidd in the book. Oh, cool. Okay. And and in the, in this one, he was married and he has a son, just the one. Um, but his wife has died in childbirth is what they want you to think in this one and it starts off very darkly i think this one definitely plays more on the child killing thing than the than the mm. 80s one did because it starts off with like 
three girls jumping to their doom, really, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the three. Yeah, it's with that kind of silent sequence. Dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very dark and gloomy, and a lot more depressing than mm. the 80s one started off with. That's the thing I instantly picked up on after watching the two. I actually watched the two back to back. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was like, sod it, I've seen this one. Now I'm going to watch the <laughs> Radcliffe one. And I was like, whoa, this is like crazy different. Yeah, it's, it's a lot moodier and a lot darker. And he's very, he, he's very depressed. He plays a quite gloomy, unhappy character. Yeah. He does it really well. Um, but I do think he, like, even though you say he's he is a very young chap in the book at twenty two, he Daniel Radcliffe still looks really young in this. Mm. Yeah, he does indeed, doesn't he? he? Only yeah, just pulls it off, if you ask me. Yeah. Whereas Adrian Rawlins, who plays Arthur in the eighties one, seems a little bit more, a little bit older, more believable. You know, you'd say he was mid to late twenties. Where yeah, uh, yeah like, sure. Daniel Radcliffe's probably only just pushing 20. <laughs> He's, he is very young looking. And it, and it makes sense that it was so soon after Deathly Hallows. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think he's really done a disservice by the film. I think the the change to make him a, a recent widow uh, really harms it because it's just extra yeah. baggage that, that it doesn't need. Yeah, um, I didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't like that bit. Totally I was like, you need... Yeah, it needs to be more upbeat. You know, I think he would have done well trying to do a similar character to the Arthur Kidd character if he mm. was a little bit more upbeat and happy. You know, you'd see the unraveling. I think so. More. Yeah, this naive this, kind of. He, he's guy. already kind of like zoned out, numb to the world anyway. Yeah, and and all his entire performance through no fault of his own, he's really just a reactive one of you know moving sure. from scene to scene in this kind of uh, dodgy theme park version of the woman in black. Um, and, and yeah, the baggage of the dead wife, we don't need that. It just, oh, no. it, it just, it, I think it totally shags it in a bad way. Yeah, it does. It um, does. But because it's newer and because it's more edgy, they try and give it a little bit more action. I quite like, um, I do like the action scenes, like saving, trying to save the girl from the fire. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Him, um, digging up the boy's body from the swamp really like that as well I, I like the effects and stuff they use but I have another thing I want to point out in the first one he goes to the woman he goes to the Drablo what was her name Mrs Drablo yeah mm. yeah she she'd passed away a month ago so yeah. when he goes to Eel Marsh house to go through all her stuff you know the house is kind of a cluttered old woman's house isn't it hmm. in the 2012 one it's dilapidated <laughs> <laughs> it's like i thought she was only supposed to have been dead a month i'm not quite sure they clarify that that's the whole well. idea yeah it doesn't make sense if she hasn't been dead a month because she yeah, he, it's he her affairs yeah he goes into the kitchen and the tap is like coughing out sludge it's like yeah. if she'd been dead a month, you know her house wouldn't be in that bad of a state i don't think well, it's it makes not no the way sense. it was portrayed in the first one. Yeah, there, there no. is a lot of stuff that does that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's right. The but, whole idea is that he, he attends her funeral as part of his duties sure. as, yep. as the solicitor and, and sorting out her affairs. So yeah. it would have been very recent. It has to be. It doesn't work otherwise. It doesn't make any. Why would he wait that long for the sludge, <laughs> the sludge yeah. stage of yeah. this? Uh, yeah, to go to the house. 
and I and I think that's one of many ways that this version really insults the um, <laughs> the intelligence of the audience because um, it, it's just there because they want to have those amateurful horror moments of the, sure. the sludge coming out of the taps, which yeah. we've all seen. And they before. want they want to make it creepy and mouldy yeah. and foisty. Yes, which it, which they do succeed in doing because it does look a lot creepier than the eighties version but it's unnecessary yeah and it's movie creepy rather than really mm. creepy it's it's like sure. this is what we think a haunted house should look like rather sure. than yeah. rather than it being your nan's house which of mm. course if she's died recently and there's this backstory it's much creepier than the uh, kind of low budget tim burton thing that's going on here <laughs> yeah <laughs> um which we which we talked about or we mentioned to each other it is yeah. It or is, you said yeah. it's, it is, it's you know, more Tim Burton than the Tim Burton movie. If there was Helena Bonham Carter playing old sure. woman in black, yeah. it wouldn't be out of place. No, absolutely not. In <laughs> fact, they missed a trick there. <laughs> Can you do if Daniel Radcliffe wasn't work? doing, yeah, he'd finish with Harry Potter. She'd finish with Harry Potter. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Depp's out of our price range. Let's do this. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they, they still have Spider, but I think they have actually changed Spider back to a girl. Yes, and she, I, that's, and she looks I think that's completely right, yeah. different from old Spider. Yeah, but the Spider from the, the other ones. But she's better. hardly in it, so yeah, she's she's not in it quite as much. And yeah, um, they pay a lot more attention to the Tuvi character, yeah. who they've changed names um, and called him Sam Daly rather than Sam Tuvi. That's right, Played and that's Hines. what's his name. Yeah, Kieran Hines. Kieran Hines, yeah. yeah. Um, they kind of like focus more on him, um, his and his crazy wife. Yes, these strange convulsions and gets overtaken by possibly the ghost of the woman in black. I'm not entirely sure what she's doing when she starts etching mm. things yeah. into tables and gravestones. Well, is that because that's more bad? That's more more shit. Is that's more baggage to to shoehorn in? I, I don't get the point because she's she thinks. That her dead son is communicating through her, isn't that the thing? That's it. Something like that, yeah. Um, and and he's 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 like you know Mister Skeptical, and he and he thinks everybody's yeah. superstitious. Sure, um, yeah, yeah. Doesn't believe in it. Yeah, there's no real place for her. It's it's another classic, you know, script writing thing of oh, keep some action coming, and having this woman maybe getting possessed in this little downtime from Daniel at the house. Yeah. Yeah, and it does have a lot of jump scares. The woman oh, in black God. isn't in it as much as she is in the eighties one. No, she's like this. She's like at one point she's like on a on a being pushed on a trolley or something. She speeds towards him like some kind of ghost train thing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> with her mouth open. Mhm. Yeah, but she's definitely not not in it half as much. She she doesn't appear in the great. Well, he doesn't really do the whole funeral thing either. No, which is which is a real missed trick. Yeah, yeah, it's a big part of introducing the woman in black, but they do focus a lot more on the on the child killing thing, but they keep it to the area as well. So yeah. um, by the end of the week, once Arthur's finished sorting out all the paperwork, his boy is coming to him at the village. Yeah. And obviously he's in the woman right. in black. So now he's like really scared that his son is going to get got. 
So he ha- comes up with a plan with Mr. Daly about trying to get the young lad Nathaniel, which was Drablo's adopted son, back out of the marsh who drowned and all will be good. But that doesn't yeah. actually happen. But the ending is <laughs> so, so rubbish compared to the ending of the 80s one. I mean, it's you know, really bad. that was shocking that they did the ending that they did in the 80s one. And I was kind of looking forward to see how they were going to recreate that in the 2012 one. <laughs> and then I just went, what? That's such a cop out. It is floaty and it's <laughs> moronic. Yeah. And it's sappy. Oh, it's just, that's your mummy. It's just terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I did. Yeah. I do. I did end up hating this, actually. I, I hadn't watched it since it came out. Um, and I remember actually not hating it before. I remember it thinking it, you know, uh, possibly doing a bit of moaning. Um, but yeah, watching it again, especially that ending is just, just terrible. Who really yeah. signed that off? Mm, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't need to see it again. I did like Daniel Radcliffe and I do, I've loved him in all of the films he's done since Harry Potter and this. You know, he's got better and better and better. But yeah, oh, I don't need sure. to see that one again. Yeah, it's a shame because he is really good and, and he's proven that in loads of things. Um, definitely the best actor of those Harry Potter uh, trio by a long yes. way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is really poor. I, I thought it's uh, there's the odd moment. Like I thought the, um, as you said, the which suggests maybe a stronger film than it ends up being, but the focus on the most kind of dark and macabre stuff of the dead kids in the first half mm. mm-hmm. um, is, is quite good. And, and there's there's a moment where there's the little girl that um, that drinks lye, I think, and she starts vomiting yes. blood. Yes, yeah, that's and cool. And yeah, there's a great, there's a, sp- a particularly great moment uh, soon after that where I think you you hear the kind of wails of grief from her mother before you see her mother. And that struck me as quite a powerful moment. That's probably closer than anything else in this film to the mood of the book, which is, which is not like without humor, but which is very obviously morbid as it has to be. Mm. But the rest of it, the peekaboo stuff, the, that I think I was messaging this or maybe just in my mind, but there's a, there's two bird scares in one scene, you know, the, quiet quiet oh a bird has appeared <laughs> yeah just the laziest horror movie and the, making and the toys the toy yeah the, the constant the toys. toys yeah uh, we've not seen that before yeah the the dead kids with open mouths the the crap portrayal of the ghost train woman in black yeah um and and those lazy things like the driver of the um the, the thing uh, appearing out of the fog you know oh, oh yeah the didn't mean to scare you moment that you get in every mm-hmm. other slasher film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah i think it's quite terrible for a film that's actually quite well liked and which did really well when it came out i think it's it's actually pretty terrible <laughs> um and it pains me to say it because i like the book a lot and i like the old one and they could have done a good job of this this kind of thing but it's if so they, much yeah, you know. if they had gone for more of a remake then let's make this completely different and change the ending completely you know they should have possibly stuck to 
the the same plot and structure of the first one. Yeah, yeah, entirely. And would have got away with it and without trying to be different. Because there's no point, is there? There's no point in because the ending. I mean, take away how awful it is, and like something out of the um, Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze ghost. Um, <laughs> take away that, and the ending is still bleak because your hero is still dead, and you've killed off Ooh. the kid. So everybody's dead at the end that you mm-hmm. you're meant to care about. So if you're going to do that, then either do it or not. You know, don't do that if yeah. you're going to then sap out and have this horrible highway to heaven moment at the end. Yeah, um, which is terrible. Um, yeah, and the rest of it is really, especially when it came out, 2012 is secondhand Japanese horror stuff. It's the stuff that was cliched already before they'd remade The Ring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> including the stuff with dolls and the, the, yeah. the use of kids um so yeah oh i just yeah. oh well oh well just stick to the 80s one we'll just pretend that one doesn't <laughs> Stay exist in the 80s. that's that's yeah. nice yeah it's Absolutely. a shame because um the guy that made this directed eden lake did you ever watch eden lake no afraid which not. is really good which is um which is a totally different horror film where Michael Fassbender and his wife are terrorised by a bunch of horrible hoodies, you know, horrible teenagers that um, do horrible things to them. And it's and it was quite controversial when it came out. It was very much part of that that time of the newspaper saying we had to be afraid of teenagers. Uh, um, but it's it's really harsh and it has the, compared to this especially, it has the harshest, most horrible ending imaginable. Um, Eden Lake, yeah, really good. Check it out. But yeah, same director. He learned. Yeah, did he learn from his mistakes? Like, yeah, oh, well, let's, maybe. <laughs> let's not cop out with a sappy ending this time. Let's really go for it. Yeah, I mean, this what this one I suppose makes sense because Radcliffe was a big star. This was going to be his crossover movie. Um, mm-hmm. This was the return of Hammer as a production company. Um, right. So they had to kind of make something, especially with him as the star. It was a twelve film over here, twelve rated. Um. And they slightly trimmed it, I think, just to tone the volume down for some of the scares, which is amusing because it's it's not at all scary. Um, so I guess there was a lot of compromising that had to go on that made things like the ending be what it is, I presume. I don't know. Um, which is a bit of a shame. It is a bit of a shame, but it's it's kind of, I mean, you say it's not scary. I don't think find it that scary either. OK, a couple of jump scares always get me, but you get over it but i do remember a lot of my non-horror friends coming up to me go oh no that's was, that was too scary for me <laughs> like really seriously crumbs yeah that's yeah that does happen doesn't it it's, it's surprising what because a, a lot people. of daniel radcliffe fans were like oh, oh i can't go and see him in this film and like, oh no it's too scary too scary and maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah that's probably it i suppose horror fans yeah it's easy for us to say oh yeah this wouldn't scare a fly but then there was always you know this was a popular movie so that it's good that it you know that people like it it's you know yeah wouldn't there want to take that away that found it scary yeah and but that's interesting got to the ending <laughs> yeah I, I don't know do people you know do people get to that moment they're like oh you know that's so powerful maybe they do because <laughs> yeah, if they if they maybe. find the rest of it scary yeah um yeah. Maybe they did agree. Maybe they thought it was a good ending. Yeah. And, you know, as painful as it is for me to say this, there, there's a chance that they could, if they were forced to, 
they could watch the older version and just think it was terrible. So, you know, other opinions are available. Yes. Yeah. So, well, that's that's the woman in black, Sarah. I mean, for the women in black, I guess, including the bad one. Um, But obviously, if you like it, that's fine. And that's good because we wouldn't want everyone to be the same. Um, And ghost stories in general. I mean, the, the woman in black is one of the most successful of the recent ghost story movies that have come out it's only a a decade old and interestingly sarah you know this stuff always makes a comeback so in 99 i always see that as a big year for ghost stories because i i think the blair witch project is really a ghost story Uh, as we've discussed before and the sixth sense came out in 99 and those those two movies were massive and yep. also massively influential and copied loads of times. Sixth Sense, the twist was copied mm. so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blair Witch, obviously, found footage, became a big thing. Kicked off, yeah. Yeah, and also the the somewhat underrated Kevin Bacon Stir of Echoes is a really good ghost story from that that same period. Yeah. Um, well worth. Have you seen uh, Stir of Echoes? No. It's I really good, man. Especially if you're a Kevin um, Bacon fan. Oh, I'm definitely a Kevin Bacon fan. Yeah, check that out. That's I think it did okay, and people it had great reviews and stuff. But it came out very close to the sixth sense, and it does feature a kid as well. And I think it was just unfortunate that it kind of got a little lost. But that's proper spooky at times. Um, so thinking about it, what would you say are some of your your favourite ghost story movies beyond the the old Women in Black that we've just encountered? Oh, definitely, definitely Blair Witch for sure. Love that film. Yeah. I was never one for, never massively into the whole ghost story thing. Um, but I do like, um, like Sleepy Hollow, stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Sleepy Hollow is good. 1999 again, another kind of spooky ghost story. Like you said, there was lots of them about. Mm. <laughs> um, the, the BBC ghost stories, which I think you were going to bring up as well. Oh, definitely, definitely fantastic. a really good one especially at Christmas time, for some reason. Mm. Yeah, they work really well. <laughs> They're proper me. atmospheric. And for us, uh, those those 70s things are, are really interesting, like um, Whistle and I'll Come to You. A lot of it was set at Holcomb Beach. Um, they did film loads of those things in East Anglia, which makes sense because we live in a part of the UK that's got these fantastic old places and villages that haven't really changed much since 1641. You know, the... Um, I think that's quite cool about those and makes them extra spooky. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, around where we live, there is lots of like historical monuments and mm. creepy churches and all sorts of that. So I get that. It's yeah. Quite a, quite a creepy, eerie place. Yeah. And there's think, a recent... Um, hmm. Sorry, yes. There's a recent Ghost Stories film that came out in 2017, literally just called Ghost Stories. Yes. <laughs> Which I absolutely loved. Um, I went to see this um, at the cinema when they were doing the Scream Unseen thing. So they would do this thing every couple of months where a new horror movie would come out and yeah. you could go and see it for a fiver, but they wouldn't tell you what it was. So you always got excited. Pay your fiver, go in to see it, and there'd be like, it could be this, 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 and this. And mm. I hadn't even heard of this until it appeared and it turned out to be ghost stories and I went um with two other friends and absolutely loved it. I thought it was really, really eerie. It's kind of like an anthology within a story. 
Yeah. Um, British made, um, written and starring by Andy Nyman, who's been in many, many horror movies and just British TV series and stuff. He actually was in the... 1989 Women in Black movie, which I had to double check with you earlier, didn't I? Because I was like, <laughs> I can't remember who he was. I didn't recognise him. <laughs> it's like a baby. Yeah, he was like. That's what I actually thought. I was like, is he one of the kids? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm sure he's older than I am. <laughs> but no, he kind of like takes the helm in this. Um, he did co-write it with a guy called Jeremy Dyson, mm. and um, it's a ghost story that has so many twists and turns and then ends up with a complete like oh my god moment which isn't really involved with ghost stories at all but the whole thing is just eerie and creepy and they kind of split it into three it's so good so good it's fantastic Um, yeah absolutely brilliant it stars andy nyman as we say he's one of the main characters he plays a kind of character who um he's um, trying to debunk fraudulent psychics. So he goes around um, trying to explain these unexplained paranormal events um, that have been given in to him by one of his heroes. Um, and he goes around to try and find them out. And one of them, one of the stories contains um, a night watchman, which is probably the scariest one of the two. And it's Paul Whitehouse literally just kind of sitting in a warehouse on his own getting really freaked out but it's so eerie isn't it that's fun yeah that's the one the other two are really good as well with uh, yeah, martin freeman and um yeah i think it's alex lawther isn't it um but yeah the night watchman one is really creepy uh, and it, it kind of reminded me at the time that paul whitehouse is a really good straight actor as well as being a great yeah, comedian a comedian yeah um, fantastic that's so spooky yeah really, ghost really stories spooky. is great and, and I think ghost stories work really well in that short form, which is why those BBC ones, which are usually about half an hour or 40 minutes, work so well. Often they're based on short stories anyway, like those were based on M.R. James. Um, and we said, you know, The Woman in Black is a very short novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's that's why ghost stories works really well. Um, one of my great regrets is that I never saw the West End production, which it was based off, you know. Um, okay. That was that was on the stage from 2010, I think, oh. and and presumably still would be if and maybe is, but obviously has been hampered by um, stuff and things. But yeah, Andy Nyman yep. was the star and creator of Jeremy Dyson of the stage play, which apparently there's a few there's a few major differences I think to that and the film, understandably. Um, but apparently is is incredible, and I think as well I may be wrong, but I think they tweaked it for performances so it wasn't always the exact same show every time so Ooh. there'd be slightly different scares and things like that but oh that's I, cool i do Would wish it still i have um, the same ending i'm sure they changed the ending for the film i'm sure the film ending was different oh really Ooh. yeah I, I did wonder it probably would be kind of difficult to recreate the ending of the film mm. in yeah. a theater environment but not yeah. completely undoable. But yeah, that just knocked me completely for six. Because you're thinking it's just this kind of straightforward anthology story of three different ghost stories that mm. all have completely like different things to do with it. But it all links in at the end. And then it goes a little bit crazy in the middle what with the bullying 
the yeah. bullies um, attacking the mentally disabled guy, and uh, it, it all uh, gets quite quite frantic and quite it's quite upsetting, isn't it? When you actually get oh, to the a, end, it's a really sad ending. Yeah, and it's it's essentially it's a different kind of haunting, isn't it? He's totally haunted sure. by this moment yeah. in his life that he has yeah. such great regret for. Um, and that's a lot of these ghost things. You know, a lot of these things are about something that's kind of relatable and very mind. sad. Yeah. Yeah, that's a brilliant film. A great choice. Um, and yeah, I saw I saw it after you because I didn't see the um, the secret thingy, but I I saw it when it was on release and it got great reviews. But it didn't really seem to do that well. I think uh, another kind of one that slipped through the cracks maybe that you don't yeah, hear enough no, people talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Like I say, I went with two friends and me and one of my friends absolutely loved it. My other friend was like, "Oh, that was shit." I was like, no. How she said she actually said that she thought it was shit. That's astonishing. Sure, boring. boring. Uh, I was just like, what? It's like, have you been watching the same film as us? It's bad. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I never, I never quite get it. No, it's, it's fantastic. I, I went out and bought it as soon as it came out on DVD, and I have watched it several times. Yeah, it, it holds up. It holds up once you know the twist, which is often mm. the tricky thing, isn't it? Uh, sure. But it does hang together. Um, especially when the individual stories are so good, especially the Night Watchman thingy. That's um, so that's creepy. pretty harrowing. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, nice choice. Any others that you can think of that you you really? What's your views on the Sixth Sense? Are you a fan? Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind mm. of like forget about it sometimes. Don't necessarily associate it being a ghost story probably because it was such a big budget and you know mm. so many stars and stuff you go like, oh god yeah of course it was but yeah, yeah that wasn't that was another one that was another like like kick you in the face when you realize the twist did not see see that coming at all until right at the last minute yeah same here yeah um yeah it's quite a moment isn't it which which wasn't the first time that twist was done in movies there's there's other no. there's obviously other kind of oh he was dead all along things and then after mm-hmm. the sixth sense there were loads of them oh they're all dead the others <laughs> the premise of, i can't remember sure. exactly but the premise of the others in the cold kidman film is where i think pretty much everybody is dead except for maybe one or two characters i can't remember exactly i haven't watched it for a long time but that takes it to <laughs> the, the other twist. extreme yeah, <laughs> the twist is which one isn't dead yeah, that was it. I think that's the whole idea with the title as well. I think the idea is that the others, are, you know, the ghosts and only she was actually alive the whole time. I think that's the gist of it. But yeah, we've seen that twist happen a few times. But in Sixth Sense, it's brilliant and it's so well done and and it's genuinely creepy. Uh, obviously, jeez, um, uh, I've forgotten the guy's name. Who plays the kid? It's um, Harley. Uh, oh, epic fail. Oh, no. Hayley Joel Osment, that's it. That's yes. the one. That's the one you got um, there. Well done. He's genuinely, you know, uh, convincing in that role, which I think goes a long way. And when you watch it again and you you know that Bruce Willis is dead, it makes total sense. You're like, how did we not realise that no one else yeah. interacts with him except yeah. the boy that can see dead people, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's also a heartbreaker as well when you rewatch it and you have that scene with his wife who, when you watch it the first time, you don't realise is actually a recent widow. Um, and you just think that they're having a chat because their marriage is broken. Um, yeah, that's a great, great film. And very quiet too. Sixth Sense has the occasional mm. jump scare, but a lot of it is moody and slowly paced, which I think works so well with ghost stories because it's all about the atmosphere. Um, 
Yeah. The Shining is a great ghost story. People, um, obviously, Jack, uh, by definition, hijacks The Shining. But still, I think it's it's an amazing ghost story because the hotel is a massive character, too. And the things that stay with you are not just Jack. It's those tiny moments. It's the twins in the corridor, the dead Mm -hmm. kids, Mm -hmm. um, the little glimpses you get, the creepy um, bartender that you mentioned, all of the ghosts of the hotel that are quite vivid characters and creepy ones too um, and that's another thing that a lot of people have played on again since the shining yeah massively lots, lots of things like that i mean they had the whole thing like that with like um american horror story based a lot of their ghost type things yes. on situations like that yeah massively so haven't they yeah um that's been hugely influential i quite like the i like the amateur horror i always thought the amateur horror that yeah. the the first, actually, the remake's quite good, um, but the original Amps for Horror, I think, is is a good one. It's one of the films that actually answers the question of, you know, well, couldn't they just move out? Because because <laughs> the whole point is, you know, they're there and it's about how hard it is to get a mortgage and this was a bargain and that we're kind of screwed and we have to stay here. You know, um, yeah. I think that's that's done quite well. There's even a scene where the ghost, where the money goes missing. They have a uh, like an envelope of money and one of the things that the the house does is it makes the money vanish you know which is your mm-hmm. worst nightmare mm-hmm. when you're already struggling like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. um so i think those you know things are tight economically haunted house films work quite well um, sure. and that also has has a few great moments the rocking chair and the the moment where the imaginary friend that his daughter's got seems to be a real ghost mm-hmm. um, that's a good one poltergeist that's... obviously yep that's which, got to come up. Yeah, which has some really good moments too. Um, I was always quite frightened by stories of poltergeists, the idea that these were much more violent ghosts, that they yeah. would, angry spirits that would potentially chuck knives at you. Yeah. Um, was freakier than just a kind of spectral thing floating around. Um, yeah, I mean, some, some fantastic ones. What about um the del toro ones have you seen the devil's backbone i still haven't seen it damn it ah that's a good one yes that's a great one to to start with he's kind of he returns to this stuff crimson peak is a is a proper old-fashioned gothic ghost story which i quite like which he did you know quite recently several years after the devil's backbone which is much more quiet and small scale um and that does get away with cgi ghosts which is is usually a pet hate, but I think Del Toro gets away with them in um, Crimson Peak, uh, which is... No, that's another one I still need to watch. Sorry, they're on my list. Yeah, no, yeah, man, check them out. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll have a we'll have a proper Del Toro chinwag. We've got to factor him in. He's yeah. such a legend. He's got a new film out next year as well, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and so where do you stand on the J-horror, the Japanese horror, which obviously was... a a huge thing and mostly was was uh, modern set ghost stories yeah not I'm, I'm not a fan because of the jump scares overly flamboyantness of it all it doesn't really do a lot for me sure yeah and that's a shame because the because the yeah a lot of them became that the grudge the japanese grudge movies um are the biggest one i suppose of that original run that are entirely based yeah. on 
small boy uh, screeching like a cat every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I've always ruined it for myself by watching the US remakes of them before actually watching the actual, like, original origin films themselves. Yeah. I'd probably have a little bit more respect for them if I had. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they totally trashed it. Uh, I mean, the, the Japanese grudge is very jumpy, but the the original Japanese ring movies are, are very quiet and they mm. the the occasional jump scares in those stand out because they're part of this very slow, very kind of subdued, uh, I suppose, almost realistic ghost story. And then the US version of the ring has um, big old scares involving deers and horses and things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doesn't really. And they totally messed appeal. it up. Yeah. But the best of those, the bit like like the very first ring in Japan, the best of those are really great ghost stories. It's a shame that obviously they became popular, so they made loads of them, and then um, the US versions totally missed Ruined the subtlety, it, yeah. which is a shame. But yeah, yeah, I've always been a fan of like the more kind of folklorey type witchcrafty ghost things, like the witch. Oh, the witch is fantastic! Yeah, and the That's ritual. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, the ritual's really great, isn't it? Great atmosphere-driven things. Yeah, I think any kind of, like, period set ghost story has that more of a creepy edge to it. Yeah. In, like in The Witch. Yeah, Which goes definitely. way, way back. Yeah, that's the thing. That's true also of Devil's Backbone and a whole bunch of oh, others. Cool. And and the ones we were talking about just now, of course. Um, even, even the Dickens movies, you know, Christmas Carol, you know, that, it's this kind of time of year, you know, one of the most popular Christmas films or Christmas stories mm. is a ghost story. Yeah. I really like it. You, I don't get tired of, of watching Christmas Carol movies. There's so many different ones. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, that you know, that kind is... of stuff drilled yeah. into us well it was at school i think we you know forced to watch it every bloody year at school yeah the other tales of the supernatural mm-hmm. yeah very much the same kind of thing and and that's in line and with a moral the... story at the end as well yeah yeah but a chilly path to get there for mm. sure um and, and so many done really well yeah yeah yeah, there's there's a whole bunch, isn't there? Like there's there's the weird musical with Albert Finney, the Christmas Carol, yeah. uh, which I quite like. There's, and there's Scrooged. Scrooge with Bill Murray, which actually yeah. has some great ghosts in it. The design yeah. of those is fantastic. Yeah. It's very much like Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. You see, I always liked Scrooge better than Ghost. I always thought it was Really? Was one I'm like much more. Yeah, and, and and it stands up. Like I've watched Scrooge. It's brilliant so many times. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I watched I watched it last year and I've rewatched Ghostbusters and I'm like, hmm, yeah, this is a bit flat. But Scrooged, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so much obviously he's great, but so much of it is about how fantastic the ghosts are. Yeah. Um and yeah, an amazing cast. Everyone's in Scrooged. Carol Kane yes. is that annoying um shrill um guy that whacks him over the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, th- that's the thing that will be remade endlessly. There'll never not be a new version of Christmas Carol. Uh, I hope not. Because it, it fits <laughs> with everything. What about the, uh, on the other end of scale, I, I do like 
uh, paranormal activity, which is really, oh, yeah. which is no different. I mean, it's so many of these ghost stories, like the woman in black, are first person ghost stories, and that's the same thing. It's just that the format is changed, so it's still it's still a first person thing because it's their point of view with the cameras and stuff. But I, I like that, especially the first one. I think worked really well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that definitely that that for me it was along the same kind of lines as um, Blair Witch. Yeah, yeah. Proper actual holy fuck moments. Yeah, absolutely. There, there certainly is, and it's very much about the build up, isn't it? Which we mm. said earlier for the woman in black, the good woman in black, which is so good at that. Um, my favourite one, I think, that came after that paranormal activity led to loads of others, but is Lake Mungo. Did you ever get around to watching Lake Mungo? <laughs> yes, yes, <gasps> you did lend me Lake Mungo. I think that's amazing. That, that's yeah, a heartbreaking I, I, one as well. That was, yeah, that was really, really creepy. Proper yeah. creepy, and like, like no, a nice, quiet, normal type thing with just this very creepy undertones. Yeah, and the great use of the, the kind of faked documentary format is great yeah. because the woman in black works so well because it's it's arthur telling the story of what happened to him and that's the same thing you know it's just a modern mm. version of it um but the revelation of lake mungo where you realize that she was being haunted by the fact that she was going to die very soon mm. um i always thought it was one of the most creepy and sad things that i've seen um yeah that's a really great one I think the quieter, the better, generally. They remade The Haunting. Uh, did you ever watch the remake of The Haunting in the late 90s? No. Which is it's worth a look, because it's kind of bonkers. But the original Haunting is is very much, from the 60s, very much black and white and very quiet. The biggest scares are off camera, is, you know, a noise or something. Or there's a classic moment where someone says, well, whose hand was I holding? Where there's a real <laughs> realisation that they... It wasn't the person they thought there was uh, in the room with them. Uh, and the remake has like loads of bang whiz stuff and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Owen Wilson getting his head cut off. Um, yeah, it's terrible. But the remake is kind of another one that's worth watching for yeah. how you can totally mess up a, a potentially <laughs> spooky, a spooky tale. Yeah, just throw quite a lot of big actors at it. Loads of actors, yeah, loads of special effects and stuff, which, you know they couldn't have done in the original but wouldn't have wanted to um the changeling that's another great one yeah very spooky again uh in this case a kind of grisly aging man that's that we see getting very scared by stuff going on again due to a dead child which i think is uh, is a recurring thing in these things which you don't get a lot otherwise um yeah there's an awful lot of great ghost stories man and the Flanagan stuff, we mentioned Flanagan earlier, who mm-hmm. I think uh, did a really good job with his two ghost story series, um, Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor. You like, did you like both of those? I can't remember. I, I still haven't, I still didn't make it through Bly Manor. Ah, yes. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. But I loved Hill House. Hill House was amazing. Yeah, Hill House and Midnight, really And Midnight Mass. Ah, oh, Midnight Mass is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think he's the the best guy to do this kind of stuff. He did a he did a, uh, two early films of his, which was Oculus, which is really good. If you've not seen that, that's really good. Mm-hmm. The the kind of modern version of the Haunted Mirror story. Um, that's really good, actually. 
and Absentia was kind of a ghost story, which he did early on. But Haunting of Hill House worked really well because, again, it's uh, very quiet. There was the occasional scare, which worked really well because it came out of nowhere and didn't just rely on a massive orchestra. Um, and Blind Manor is, is, is not as good, but it does have at least one great episode, which it's not a bad hit rate, I suppose, out of however many it was. Um, yeah, maybe he's the guy that will make the next great movie ghost story. Yeah, certainly, certainly one to keep in mind for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's probably um, kind of where we're at with ghost stories. I think we've covered quite a few of them. Obviously, there's tons more. You there's can always so uh, always let us know if you have any favourite ones of your own. But uh, yeah, it is the season for that kind of thing. But but next time, Sarah, we've got something uh. totally different, would you believe? <laughs> yes, next time. Not ghosty at all. No, no ghost next time. Next year, in fact. New month, new podcast, new year. Oh, yes. It's the, uh, it's the release in January of the new Scream movie, Scream 5, which is <gasps> called Scream. Um, so that's cool. Um, confusing yeah. at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so we'll be using that as an excuse to rummage through the original screen movies. Hooray! And hopefully, of... I've seen the new one in time. <laughs> yes, yes, we'll try our best to watch the new one so that we can shoehorn it in with the others. But if not, of course, there's still four movies to talk about. We won't bother with the TV series because um, life's too short. But yeah. Um, yeah, we'll be talking about the screen films, which are now extraordinarily old. In fact, oh. this year was the 25th anniversary of the first screen movie. Good Lord. Yeah, that's terrible news, isn't it? Um, it is. So depressing. Yeah, very, very But it's sad. exciting. Screen movies are always a lot of fun. Yes. And the new one that's good, the trailers dropped, it is out there. Was I think I saw it when I watched Halloween Kills and it, it looks fun. Mm. Everyone's back more or less and uh looks like they've got some new twists on it so we shall see but yes so we'll be talking screen movies in january which goes live uh, on what date sarah the january the something some it'll, outrageous yeah, it'll late like date the 28th or something so you know you've got a, got a while to digest wow. your christmas dinner and yeah get your tree down yes think of some new year's resolutions all the usual stuff. Uh, find a place we'll for back. Nan's body. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to do over Christmas. But yeah, that's probably it, Sarah. I think uh, I think we've, I think uh, so. you know, we've come to the natural end. Obviously, everyone that's listening, have a, a nice Christmas. If you've heard yes. this before Christmas. And if you, if not, if you've heard it next year, then hope it was good. Yeah. Um, you know, and all that. So, yeah, it's a good night from me, I think, Sarah. And... And the same for me. Have a good Christmas. Drink lots and be merry. Oh, merry. Yes, indeed. Uh, Take care, everyone. (laughs) And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.